Hello there. Welcome back to Jedi Knights. I'm your moderator, Christian Buckley. Joined once again, as always, by my Chewbacca, Mike Connors. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you gotta take that out or something. Cutting that. Uh, this is episode 21, so celebrate, because we can drink at the the seediest bars in the galaxy now. Yeah, well, wretched have scum and villainy or something. For like sure. Home of Watto. Is it, though? Because isn't he from Mos Espa? And not most icily. Technically, I guess, yes. Also, he's from uh, Toydaria. Right? Troydarian. Yeah. Is it Troydarian or Toydarian? I think it's Troydarian. All right. Well, you just set the precedent. With, I have no idea. With that Watto impression because it's time for Star Wars. Star Wars. Our Mad Libs opening segment. Thank God I come up with the. Uh, the, the words beforehand yes <laughs> so mike filled out the uh the required words for this week yeah titled watto's junk shop you got to be really careful with this uh, this <laughs> impression <laughs> if you're eating in the outer rim territories you need spare po- spare donuts for your space cigarette or other odds and water bottles the place to go is watto's junk shop here you can find everything from robots that jump like Mexican acting beans. Mexican was not Mike's word. That was in the Mad Lib. Okay, yeah, no, it's definitely not. Wow. (laughs) Mexican acting beans to replacement wires for your happy droid so it can run until it blows a microphone. Be careful what kind of money you put in your computer because Watho doesn't take Republic lights. You may have to barter with some sad that you own. That was an an adjective. Yeah. Sad that you own. The greedy and rich Watto would love to get his grimy eyes on the that's anything that's precious to you. And don't even think about using a Jedi mind trick on Watto. There, when he says something costs 10 bananas, you better pay up or he'll raise the price to 69 bananas. Awesome. Thank you. I'm glad that you appreciate the impression, Mike. Yeah, it wasn't... um. It wasn't as offensive as I thought it was going to be, which is good. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think it was really offensive at all. I don't either. It's time for the show. Yeah. Uh, Newsweek is small but small but many. Small but small but small but large. <laughs> you ever you ever walk down the street and then you just see like a group of dogs? Like it's like tiny dogs. Well, like like, like a, a multiple dog walker walking dogs. Oh yeah, and they only have one size to dog. Yeah, they're all tiny dogs. Right. This that's what this week's show is. It's a bunch of tiny little pomeranians walking down the street with one leash. Okay, I don't really like pomeranians though. Ooh, that is a problem because my girlfriend has two of them and they are the sweetest. Okay, well, sorry. I, I'm more of a big dog person myself. I am too, but those two turn me around on them. All right. I just think like Chihuahuas specifically. Yeah, Chihuahuas, I'm like not so annoying. Not into. Enough dog talk. This is the dog podcast now. Yeah, it is. The dog, the dog cast. <laughs> Are you a fan of wrestling? Like WWE wrestling? WWE wrestling. No, but Have I did wrestle in high school. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a story. Is that a, yeah, <laughs> that is a story. <laughs> um, Did you ever, like, so growing up, did you ever watch WWE? No, I, I thought it was kind of dumb. Yeah, so I never did because my mom didn't want me to watch something that violent. <laughs> Is it really even that violent, though? It's like, it spawns kids to jump off of things, you know? Right. Okay. And kids are dumb. 
So they would follow suit. They would pull a John Cena and like break their neck or something. Try to like do wrestling moves on each other. And yes. Stuff. Okay. I guess I was never part of that. So my one of my friends actually got me into WWE in high school. And we're getting to Star Wars with this. Trust me. Um, and it was an interesting time because like a lot of the wrestlers are like in their mid-20s right now. And they're not like the big names that you could associate with any wrestling thing. But... Uh, a lot of them are nerds. Okay. Specifically, Austin Creed, big gamer. I'm not I'm not familiar with who that okay. is. Okay. Uh, but a resident of Boston, the legit boss, is her title. Cousin of Snoop Dogg. <laughs> who, who is this person? <laughs> Sasha Banks. <laughs> okay. Sasha Banks, the legit boss, is coming to the Star Wars universe. Actually, cousin of Snoop Dogg? I'm like... 95% sure. He sang her intro song at WrestleMania once. So, according to the Matt Men podcast and corroborated by Pro Wrestling Sheet, WWE superstar Sasha Banks has been recruited for season two of The Mandalorian. Interesting. Yeah. I don't even know who this person is. I can show you. you. She I, has very colorful hair. Like, I've heard the name before. Um, Very, very colorful hair. She could fit in well in the Star Wars universe, I think. Okay. Very talented, very athletic. Oh, that's her in her WWE. Yes. Very strong. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, kind of Almost non-news, but I figured it would be worth bringing up because casting is happening for Mando Season 2 currently. As we know, they're shooting. Yeah. Um, I wish I had, like, a better opinion on that. I just don't know who this person is. Yeah. I would assume that's a good thing. I mean, it's it's interesting because a lot of talent from... WWE has been branching out into Hollywood over the past few years. The first major one I'd say was The Rock. Uh, Cena followed suit, and he's been getting like better roles, and he's like pretty good in comedy. Um, there's a handful of others that haven't been as successful. Uh, Dave Bautista is another one. He's been in oh, yeah. lots of films, lots of Disney films. Yeah, we were going to see Dave Bautista and maybe Star Wars? maybe I wanted to see him play Darth Bane. <laughs> that would be cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting bringing up uh, Sasha Banks in terms of The Mandalorian because Gina Carano, one of our favorite characters from season one, uh, was formerly a UFC fighter. Yeah, I, th- I think I did know that. Mm-hmm. I knew she, she's ripped anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so you got to get those guns somewhere. Yeah. So I, I just think it's cool, like bringing in um, professional athletes for roles in the Star Wars universe. Uh you can the easy thing would be to be like oh she's going to be some like brawler in a bar that he has to go visit in one episode or something well, that's what i was going to ask what do you think she's going to be is she going to be like a gina carano kind of type like bounty hunter mercenary i think that's the easy choice and the easy thing to associate uh based on what happened with gina carano and having the history of extreme sports well is she going to come back i hope so you can't have two right like I mean, you could. Maybe she's like her partner or something. Okay. Maybe she's like running missions for grief carga. Yeah. Grief carga, right? Like a like another s- shock trooper, right? That's what. Yeah, or just like uh, an apprentice or something. Maybe she brings her in, try to get her into the world. Interesting. Uh, but regardless, the clock is ticking for Mando season two. Yeah. Did, did have they started filming it yet? They they've been shooting since. I want to say before season one came out. Okay, I think we've discussed this like three or times. Like maybe mid-season one coming out, I think. Yeah, because yeah. there was the Instagram post of um, 
John Favreau and the Mando helmet saying shooting season two. Okay, so it's definitely they're they're definitely pretty far into it when you yeah when you shoot something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's coming out this year. Yeah, my so expectation based on like shooting schedules and just how I know TV works uh, or any production really, they are probably gonna wrap shooting by May, and then from end of May to October post is post. Um, but yeah, exciting times. Yeah, it's very cool. Making progress on the Mandalorian front. We're making progress on another Disney Plus series as well. Yeah. I think I know this. Cassie and Andor. (laughs) I am beyond excited for this show. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk playing Cassian and K2. Favorite part of Rogue One. Yeah. Far and away. it's, It's one thing that they're doing a Cassian and Andor show. It's another thing that they're doing a Cassian Andor show, and they made sure that K two is also yeah. That makes me real happy. Yeah. Uh, so there were Diego Luna was doing an interview for the new season of Narcos, the Netflix show. Uh, he was talking to Entertainment Tonight. They asked him about the Cassian show, just to get see if he would have any sort of information on it. Because aside from like one update, I think we've talked about it in the run of the show so far, there hasn't been much news on that front. Yeah, it just they've just announced that it's happening, right? That's basically it. Right, and I'm pretty sure Tony Gilroy came back to help with some of the scripts. But, yeah, in comparison to Mandalorian and Obi-Wan, there's, like, next to nothing about Cassian. Uh, so, a direct quote from the interview, Diego Luna said, It's happening. We're shooting this year. I know very little. I've read scripts, and I'm very excited. Then they also asked him about making a prequel. He said it's a different approach because of the beauty and it's how things happen. It's not just what happens. It's not the typical way of approaching a story. It's about how you think, how things happen, which in fact is the same thing that happened in Rogue One. Um, That's like a brain twister. I know. He, I think he was like stumbling a little bit, but basically the gist of it is he he's really excited about tackling another project where you know the ending and then you're telling the story of how it got there because as he compared to Rogue One, that's what Rogue One was. Knowing his ending, it's funny to be doing that again and like stepping further back. Yeah, I I want to know like when exactly this is going to take place. I assume he he says in the, in Rogue One that he's been in that fight since he was six years old, right? Mm-hmm. So he like like what fight is he talking about? This is this is the thing that gets me because he says he's been in the fight since he was six years old. This happens days before, right? So so how old is he supposed to be in Rogue One? He looks like he's at least thirty. Right. According to Google, via ScreenRant.com, he's 26 in Rogue One. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. Because so, it would be 19 years after the end of... Yeah, okay. So, the the show, the only blurb about the show that I got out of this interview was that it takes place in the formative years of the Rebellion, which is an exciting thing to explore. Uh, the only other time that I have seen this explored, uh, again, I haven't seen Rebels yet, <laughs> Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. Mm-hmm. the The main character, Star Killer, defected and helped create the um, Rebel Alliance. Dude, spoilers! That's a non-canon I game know, from like twenty <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a it's a cool era to explore, and in a different way than we've seen in Rogue One and Solo, which are sort of in the same like shot. 
I yeah, I think so far like we haven't seen much we haven't seen Disney sort of expand their horizons in time periods in this universe that they mm-hmm. want to explore. I think the closest that we've gotten to that so far not talking about the sequel trilogy because that's just like 30 years that's after. just 30 years after whatever yeah. happened but like is that time between Retur- Re- return of the jedi and the force awakens with the mandalorian yeah but other than that like it's just been the same yeah because like periods because like rogue one solo and even fallen order they kind of blend together in the time period they're in they all happen in the same 15-ish years yeah but like at the same time that time period that's 20 years you know like that's a long time yeah and i feel like most of the content we've seen explored there is just so skewed within like the latter half of that i see you know yeah well are you talking about like like the 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 direct lead up to a new hope kind of yeah because i mean like maybe not a few years yeah maybe not directly with han because he is significantly younger in solo than he is in uh a new hope but that doesn't focus on like the the con the, like this the central conflict of Star Wars as much right like but that just more focuses on him yeah I, w- I was tying it to like like it feels that way because it's Han yeah you know yeah and with Fallen Order it's what five years after Order sixty six right it's supposed to be so that's like on the opposite spectrum but in my head it kind of blended in with the other ones and even there it's like Fallen Order is a really great story. But it doesn't, like you said with Solo, it doesn't really, like, touch on the state of the galaxy. It's more about this personal mission, which I enjoy. But the Cassian show is going to be getting in the weeds about, like, the rebellion. Yeah, I think is that's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Um, I always wondered what it was like from the perspective of just, like, a re- regular person in the galaxy mm-hmm. when order 66 happened yeah like people knew about that like the emperor like the senate still existed Mm -hmm. like he had to make his case essentially to the people as to why he was left me permanently scarred yeah literally like but i mean like how did the normal person react to that and i think the cassian show is going to be an interesting lens into that world definitely yeah i'm really curious to see I mean, like, within Cassian's character from Rogue One, like, we know he's kind of detached from the whole whimsical aspect of the universe from his perspective. Like, it's very much just the conflict and the mission. Well, something must have happened to him. Well, honestly, I think that might just be how he lived his life because if he's been in it since he was six, that's the only thing he's ever known. Right. You know? Like, the mystical space wizards are, like, kind of like what Ray viewed him as of, like, oh, they're a myth. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, they kind of existed, but I was like six when they were <laughs> well still kicking ass. That's true. The thing is, he 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 might be young when Order sixty six happens and stuff, mm-hmm. S- seven six years old, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really sure. Like, I guess uh, there was a lot of propaganda in the Star Wars universe leading up to that that the Jedi were the cause of all this stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't really know where I'm going with this, to be honest with you. Okay, well, yeah, I definitely think it's interesting. I'm curious to see, ha- like, where in his life this takes place. I could see, like, having flashbacks to sort of establish that throwaway line of I've been in this since I was six, you know? Yeah. Um, so you don't think it's going to be Cassian Andor as six years old? <laughs> <laughs> de-aged. De-aged Diego, Diego Luna. Luna. 
No, I think like the earliest they cut it off is like twenty, okay. because it's Diego Luna. Yeah, he can like you can make him up to look a little young. That's six years old. I don't even think you can make him look eighteen. I think like twenty is like the bare minimum you can do here. You're really pushing the limit. He looks older than twenty six in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean they could just like explain it by the fact that he doesn't sleep or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Soldiers probably look tired, right? Spies probably look extra tired because they got to be lying all the time. And when you're a soldier spy, that's just double damage. Yeah. You're going to look 40 years old when you're 26. Absolutely. But shooting this summer, probably coming out next year. I'm excited. I'm in no rush for it. I just want it to be good. Me too. Uh, I, I, well, this is an obvious thing to say, but yeah, this is coming before the Obi-Wan series. Yeah, for sure. Even though we've heard so much more about Obi-Wan, this just seems like it's more far along. <laughs> I mean, this was announced before. The Obi-Wan thing. Yeah, it was announced before... I think it was announced like a month or two after John Favreau Mandalorian came out. Like, just the news. Oh, like, you're talking about the news of the Mandalorian. Yeah, like, John Favreau is making a show about... the about. It's called The Mandalorian. And then two months later, the news of this came out. Pretty sure. Interesting. So, uh, we do have some more developments on time periods that haven't been fully explored. Okay. As we covered recently, uh, the Marvel Comics series of Star Wars is uh, currently ongoing. It's on issue three. That comes out the day you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it the day it comes out. It's covering the gap between Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. We got a cover reveal for issue number six, which is coming out in May. Wait, they haven't even released issue three yet. No, I thought it was so far behind because we talked about comics a little bit on the show. And every time we talk about it, at least when I, my perspective is like, oh, sounds cool. I want to read it. And then I see news about like, oh, issue five or issue eight. And I was like, oh, I'm super far behind. But apparently that stuff's not even out yet. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> so there's no pressure around me for catching up. But we have the cover for issue six. And there's an interesting thing on there. It's Luke Skywalker holding the lightsaber. But get this. It's not his blue one because he lost it at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. And apparently we're going to find out about that story through this comic. Right. It's not the green one because he makes that very close to Return of the Jedi. In the deleted scene. Yep. So guess what color it is? Wait, can I can I guess which color it is? Yeah. Yellow. Hell yeah, it's yellow. Are you serious? Yeah. Luke Skywalker is going to be wielding a yellow lightsaber in the Marvel Comics run of Star Wars. I saved it to my desktop where there it is. So do you think it's like actually his? I don't know. Oh, the hilt. The hilt looks extremely similar to. Is it the Guardian Temple? Jedi Temple Guards? Yeah. That's what I thought when I saw it because I knew they had the yellow lightsabers. Uh-huh. So I don't know if he's like doing an adventure and he goes to a, a Jedi Temple and he's like, oh, cool. This is mine now. What if he uses this in the interim? That's what I'm thinking. Like something happens to it. That's yeah. why we never see it. That's 100% what I'm thinking. Interesting. Do you think he builds it? I don't know. Because it looks a lot like the Guardians. Yeah, that's the immediate thing that I realized. And for viewers and listeners, if you're not familiar, the Jedi Temple Guards, uh, we will see more of them in Clone Wars. But, yeah, they all wield yellow lightsabers. Yeah. Um, I think they're in Rebels. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Uh, I just think that's a neat little thing because cool. recently we were both like, we'd love to see more yellow sabers. <laughs> well, we we just got the biggest tease of all time. Yeah. Like, the biggest tease of all time. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like a bandwagoner, you know, for the yellow lightsaber being cool because it's, like, in a movie now, but, like... I always thought the yellow lightsaber was cool. It's cool because I feel like a lot of people forget that originally Luke's lightsaber was supposed to be yellow. Is that true? Yeah, but it just didn't show up well on film, and, um, like, in the Macquarie concept art, it's a yellow lightsaber. Oh, okay. And because of, like, Tatooine, sand... You, yeah, it's not gonna look good. <laughs> the blue, honestly, like I'm happy that they went with the blue instead of the yellow. Yeah, the bl- like a yellow laser sword, I don't think would be anywhere near as iconic no, as a blue. The blue one just stands out. Yeah, it's dope. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Uh, but seeing another yellow lightsaber being brought into the spotlight, even if it is through a comic, which the reason I said that is because not many people read comics. Well, okay, it's interesting that they're like. Not to cut you off, but it's interesting that they're releasing the cover for the sixth issue in February. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that they're they purpose they must have purposefully released this one just to like stir up the pot and get some people talking about? That's what I have to assume because there are times where cover art for comics is released significantly ahead of time. Like, I think uh, we were talking about the entire run of the show before we recorded. I think one of the first episodes we talked about that Luke and Ben Solo back-to-back cover art for The Rise of Kylo Ren. Was it that long ago? It was a while ago, yeah. Wow. And that comic, that issue that we talked about, came out in December. Like, I think the week before the week of The Rise of Skywalker. It didn't. It did not. It came out in January. Oh, wow. So, yeah. They released it extra far ahead of time. Yeah, that was the second issue, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's, like, a abnormal for comics but yeah maybe this is like teasing something maybe it, the reason it's this far ahead of time is I know because it's it, another story coming out soon I don't know yeah I mean like it I know it, it's probably not abnormal for comics I don't claim to be like an expert on these things like I don't, I'm not either I don't really read comics that much mm-hmm. um but like they had to have put this out just to get people talking about it and it must have probably. some significance like it just looks too cool. Yeah, and it could like, totally not have any significance, and it's just yeah. to get attention on the comic, you know? Which is fine. Yeah, for sure. I just think it's cool. Definitely. Do you know how long this series is supposed to run for, this, this like, Star Wars run? I'm not too sure. I can check how long the other one ran. Yeah, some, like, 24 issues or whatever. Probably. I think, like, the way that they're doing it now, it seems as though they're going to finish off this arc with a similar if not the same amount of comics as between four and five mm-hmm. and then just do it again f- between oh actually no that wouldn't make sense do you th- i was gonna say that they're gonna do it after six but there's there's too much time okay so to answer the number of issues it looks like according to wikipedia the Star Wars 2015 comic book series, which started the gap between four and five, uh, 75 issues plus annuals number one to four. So we have a, a decent amount. It's a lot to look to. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming 
Like they, they're in no rush, you know, to fill this gap. But yeah, this, back to what you were saying. This is a longer gap too. It is. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what approach they take. I think. Do you think like if they wanted to pursue more stories with the characters we already know, do you think that this is the gap they fill it in? For like Luke and the Skywalkers? Do you think they go here for this and then for prequel era they stick to the gap between three to four? I think no. I no. think I think we're gonna get a similar amount of comics f- between five and six. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna get some other series that takes place after six. That's what I want. And I, I think that's probably the right thing to assume because you have to also consider between five and six, there's no Han Solo, and we know Disney loves Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, this entire run of the comic is just not going to have Han in it. Yeah, but who needs them if we got a Solo 2 on the way, right? That's, That's your Han Solo content. <laughs> also, who needs them if we have a yellow lightsaber? Yeah, that who, makes up for it. Who cares? Uh, we know he's fine. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. He's chilling. Don't let him get. He's on don't, ice. Don't let him get too close to his son, though. No, 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 no. We do have uh, a little more to discuss, though, about reading material for Star Wars because okay. I like uh, reading. Uh, there is a book coming out, the novelization of the Rise of Skywalker, and in this novelization, similar to from what I know of the novelization of Seven, there's extra content, cut content, the novel cut. Yeah. Of episode nine. So I think it's, they did something similar. I mean, they did release novelizations for episode seven and episode eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure both of them had stuff in it that yeah, in the movies. I was just familiar with the seven one. I don't know if eight had like significant stuff in there. Yeah, I know the seven, the, I know the seven, the seventh book. That sounds so weird to say it like that. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the seventh book had some stuff in there. Yeah. And I think like one of them was like, was it Kylo on the Falcon? Yep. Yeah, okay. But I mean, those were those were also deleted, deleted scenes. scenes. Well, that's what people are thinking about this. Yeah. So there's an excerpt on StarWars.com of Kylo Ren on Mustafar at the beginning of the film. Uh, we see him tearing through the forests. We see Vader's crumbled castle, which is the coolest thing from this for me because I really liked seeing Vader's castle in Rogue One. Well, so you're saying we see it in the excerpt. Yeah, there's like... He said, like, oh, the, I think the novelization said there's boulders lying around, but it's not boulders. It's the remnants of Darth Vader's castle. Interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. And then uh, a giant spider thing crawls out of the lake with oil on it that's on fire. <laughs> and uh, talks to Kylo Ren. He talks to him? Yeah, it's the Oracle, apparently. Oh. I don't know. Is there an oracle I should know about in Star Wars? Is there one in Clone Wars? I feel like Clone Wars would have an oracle. Dude, I don't know about any oracle. <laughs> That's super weird. Is this the oracle that predicted the Chosen One? Is this the one that was like, uh, there will be a Chosen One that brings balance to the Force? I don't know. I, I don't... I really have no idea what the heck this thing is. Okay, so this giant spider talks to Kylo Ren. is like, well, hey, you're looking for something, right? <laughs> it reminds me of... um, God, what was the Harry Potter? Aragog? Yeah, Aragog. <laughs> Yeah, it's kids going through a forest. Yeah. Kylo Ren's a kid. It's a kid going through a forest, finds a spider. It's like, hey, we're looking for this thing. And they're like, not going to help you that much. Uh, here's something vague. Get out of here. Yeah. I don't understand, like, what sort of information could this, like, mystical spider give Kylo Ren that he doesn't already know or won't find out from Palpatine, like, three minutes later? Yeah, I, I so I think 
a lot of people realize that, and that's probably why I got cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I did skim. I read some of it. It kind of, like, didn't interest me a super, like, a ton, but it was like, oh, weird spider Star Wars space monster. It sounds super silly. Yeah. You know, there was something interesting that I was reading today as well. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson and the guy who played um, Allegiant General Pride. Great name. What is his name? Though? The actor? Yeah, the actor. I'm not familiar. I can check for you. Oh, I don't, I don't mean to make you do that, but uh, apparently they filmed a scene with Kylo Ren um, on Mustafar. Uh, not confirmed it was on Mustafar. They said that it was some forest planet with Kylo. Mm -hmm. That's the only forest in the movie. Uh, the two characters are in this scene from the book. Okay, so then, yeah. Also, Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. Uh, but yeah, they're present in the way that uh, Pride and Hux are discussing back and forth about just like their opinions on Ren, and Hux is, gonna, is saying like, oh, one day he'll answer to someone, and then Pride's like, he answers to no one. So it's just kind of like okay playing off their back and forth. So I mean, like I just heard that they did film. I don't know if it's that scene, but I yeah, assume that, it's probably that scene. Yeah, because they don't go to um the other for the the resistance planet. Yeah, they don't go there. Yeah, so that's yeah. the only other forest I remember in that movie. Yeah, I, so, well, yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. It's the Mustafar thing, and if they're here, if that's the right thing, then they probably shot it. We might see a giant spider monster oh, in the next man. couple months. I hope not. <laughs> I, I hope the CG's not finished. Because you know how sometimes you see deleted scenes and it's like, oh, we decided to cut this like halfway through rendering it. Yeah, and it's like, like the whatever it is, like moves and like blocks. Yeah, like, it's like just it's just like just the colored polygons. There's no like texture on it. Yeah, it looks so bad. Uh, but yeah, maybe look forward to that. I'm like interested to see what other weird stuff is in this novelization. Yeah, I'm. I, with all the Palpatine stuff, I'm really curious. Right, I'm. I'm wondering if it will like give more answers onto like the burning questions that we have. Most notably, how is Palpatine alive? Yeah, um, I'm also really curious to see if any of what we have heard rumblings about of how the original ending was fairly different. Oh, right. From what we ended up getting. I would doubt that. I also doubt it, but, yeah. like, if this rem... Like, if Kyle... If Ben Solo gets, like, three more lines in this book than he did in the movie... He will. <laughs> I will probably buy it then. The, the, all right, so I... <laughs> it's funny, because, like, what if... There are a lot of rumors that they changed the ending at, like, the last minute. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of evidence to support that. I would say the main thing is the fact that the, the Kylo's hair falls in the wrong direction yeah i think that's the most thing of like evidence evidence that's what I'm, that's mostly what i'm talking okay. about but like that's pretty concrete though like it's that, something that's something something happened yeah. i don't know what it is but but it also just like the ending just feels so discombobulated that that there feels like there was some stitching going on yeah um and i'm sure that whoever wrote this book probably wrote it the original way and then like had oh, to edit it as well. Yeah. <laughs> got a call from, like, Mickey Mouse saying, like, yo, you got to change the ending to that book. Maybe. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, if you don't want to read that, I'm sure there's going to be a long list of the, the craziest differences from the movie available online within a day. That's probably what I'll read. <laughs> uh, there's one last thing, talking about reading. This is a literature-heavy episode. 
I want to bring up a new segment for the show. Okay. That will potentially be returning in the future. Potentially. When it fits. Called Force of Our Wills. Wills as in W-H-I-L-L-S? Sure thing. Oh, I guess it wasn't. (laughs) I considered it, and then I forgot how to spell it, so then I just spelled it as Wills. Okay. Like, our will is Uh, strong. Because within a week, we said more yellow lightsabers, and now we get a yellow lightsaber from Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. So clearly our desires have some sort of cosmic thing going on. What do we want to see next week, (laughs) Christian? Funny enough, next week is the reveal of Project Luminous. Which day is that again? Monday, the day we record this show. Right. So. Um, Ooh, so, d- oh, okay. This is our last chance before we know what this is. Predictions? Predictions or hopes? What's the biggest, like, ideal scenario for you? All right. What do we get out of Project Luminous? Take into account that the most recent report is saying it's a publishing thing only, so no movies or TV shows or games. It's books and comics. So if that is the case, maybe start there. If we want to get like pie in the sky dream, we can talk a movie or a game or something too. But like ideally, what do you want? I want to see something set in a completely different time period, something that we've never explored before in the current kin. I think it would be interesting if we did something with the old Republic. I think it's more likely that we get something with what is the High Republic. Yes, but what is it you want the most? What is it that I want the most? Yes. Something that has to do with the old Republic and the old Jedi-Sith wars. Okay. That is something that I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've, we've discussed that it's only, only, only a publishing effort. So I Potentially. Like, Allegedly. Allegedly. So with those constraints, Mm -hmm. I think it would be cool to have like two comics and like a book to start it off. Okay. And then um, depending on the characters, those stories introduce Mm -hmm. maybe in the future. We get an adaptation. We get get some spinoffs here and there, adaptations. That's what I would like to see. So if we're taking this Project Luminous thing in your direction. It's going to be the Old Republic. Let's say the book. Because I feel like the book would be the main effort here. Because, you know, the comics are their own thing, but the book, I feel like, is what a lot of people look to for canon. Right. Yeah, I feel like there will be more than one book. Yeah. This first book in the Old Republic, in the New Era Old Republic, Uh what do you want that lens to be? Do you want it to be from the Jedi perspective, the Sith perspective, an average everyday person? In this galaxy? Oh, man, that's a really hard question. Mm-hmm. Because, like, my first inclination would would be, like, it would be so interesting to see the Jedi-Sith Wars from the perspective of, like, somebody who's not Force-sensitive, but mm-hmm. extremely ingrained in all of that. So are you thinking maybe, like, a trooper? I'm thinking maybe... Or a uh, general. I don't know, because maybe, like, a hired gun... Okay. A mercenary. I know it's kind of like super cliche in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, at this one, we're going to get to it later in the uh, the second half of the show, but like, I kind of feel bad for wanting the directions I want from Star Wars now because it's just all Mandalorian vibes. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. I think it would be cool, though, because if you had that sort of character, they're not, they don't have an allegiance to one side or the other. Yeah. 
So you could see some fun backstabbing, and it would be a good narrative way to show the Sith and the Jedi. Definitely. Through the eyes of just one person. Mm -hmm. Heroes on both sides. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Uh, For me, on it, like... Ever since the the concept of the High Republic came up, it's interested me. Yeah, definitely. And I would almost prefer that to the Old Republic at this point. I think we're still too close to the Old Republic as far as the place it holds in people's hearts to, like, rewrite it. You get where I'm coming from? Yeah, I guess so. Because, like, what happens if this is a publishing effort, it's the Old Republic, and then Revan is nowhere in sight? Like, people are going to be mad. I think what they should do is they should just, like, make an exception. For the Old Republic? No, and just, well, no, make an exception for Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. Okay. And just canon, make those canon. Well, there's rumblings that the first game is getting a remake. Good. So, if that is the case, I could totally see them rework it to fit in the canon through that remake of, like, okay... There's this side quest that didn't really work out with the direction we took this character in the saga. So wipe that, substitute it with a new new character, new side quest. So like m- more of a re-envisioning, I guess, than a remake. But again, that's just another big rumor. But I do think when we do get the Old Republic explored again, because there have been seeds through like the Clone Wars. I'm sure they, they will do it. I, I think Revan will return. I think Bane will return. I just think, personally, it's still a little too recent for them to avoid as much of the backlash as they could. Okay. I, I think that if they were to do that, mm-hmm. I don't want them going and trying to find a new way to introduce Revan. I, so you mean if they re, if this is an initiative about the Old Republic, you wouldn't want them to be like, oh... Revan was a moisture farmer now. Yeah, like, I'm okay. not into that. No, I no, think, no. I think what they should do is just, like, I, I honestly, like, wouldn't want to see anything new come from Revan. I just want him to retroactively become canon. Okay. Like, I wouldn't, I, I'm not interested in that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see something, I want to see where they take it. I want to see where Disney takes, if this, if they go back to the old Republic, I want to see their their vision of that. I don't want them to feel constrained by like what happened in the past and like the characters of the past. Mm-hmm. Though I think Revan is one of the coolest Star Wars characters. Yeah, it's de- it's a at the time it was like a groundbreaking character. Right. I don't think they should mess with that. I think they should just make it retroactively canon mm-hmm. and just move on from that. Okay. Satisfy people in that way. If mm-hmm. they're gonna remake the game, don't change any of the story. Just make it look really cool. People <laughs> will still buy it. Yeah, I just know that where it stands currently, they're, like, super anal about what works in this universe and what does not. I know, but there's nothing <laughs> over there, though. They could just make that canon. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely be interested to see their take on it, and I hope it's within the next decade, you know? Um, but I do think a nice, like, in-between for getting far enough removed and still being entirely new territory is this higher public thing. So I am hoping it's the higher public because there's, and I'm saying it because there's always a chance that it's just more sequel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do agree with you. I think 
the concept of the High Republic is super interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's likely that that's what we're going to get. Yeah, I would hope so. Because especially revisiting the Clone Wars and through the show, I think finding a new appreciation for the political arc of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I'd be super into seeing sort of not like an analog to remake the prequels, but like you have the Senate, you have Coruscant, and you have whatever political scheme is going on there. And then you have what I'm assuming is going to be the focus point of the higher public, which was what we discussed before of exploring the unknown regions. I think that's a nice solid in between of like what makes Star Wars Star Wars from the most popular eras. Yeah. I think the High Republic stuff, though, it's going to be tough for them because at that point, like, there aren't the Sith. Yeah. Like, there's... So if it's 500 years before, that would be Plagueis, right? Because Palpatine is not born yet. Well, Plagueis was Palpatine's master. Right, but I'm assuming Plagueis had a very long life if he was able to cheat death. I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that question. I'm pretretty sure that, like, he wasn't around back then. Mm Mm-hmm. So the higher public could be cool. I, I do like your idea of taking the approach from someone who's sort of on the outside. So like kind of the Palpatine perspective of the prequels of like, I got my finger in the, the Jedi pool and the Sith pool. So whatever the antagonist of the higher public could be, I think it'd be interesting to see it from, like you said, a mercenary or um, I think a trooper could be cool too. I want like a central anti-hero. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, I think we could probably see that in a certain direction. Yeah, <laughs> through whatever era we get. Uh, quickly, what's the one thing that would disappoint you about this initiative? If it has to do with a character that we already know, I agree. I am very interested, as we've said before, to see the story continue in ways that was teased and left off at the end of nine for a handful of characters but i don't need that right now yeah i agree Mm -hmm. i don't want to see that i want to see something new yeah and i i hopefully that's what this is and by the time we get episode 22 we'll know exactly what it is and that's going to be the entire episode yeah that should be the same day yeah it is so that wraps it for news when we come back the Clone Wars continued. Uh, we're getting dangerously close to season seven of Clone Wars. I know. Well, that's the thing. Like the day after this comes out is the at midnight will be the premiere of season seven. And how many episodes are there? I believe it is twelve. Okay, so twelve weeks. Mm-hmm. So honestly, it's probably better that we're just waiting to watch it. Because we could just watch it all at once. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm enjoying that. Yeah. So I'm uh, going to take a short break. When we come back, Clone Wars time. This is where the fun begins. Welcome back. We're continuing our watch along of The Clone Wars, the acclaimed series. <laughs> Why do you say that? You say that every time, I'm pretty sure. Because <laughs> it, it deserves it. <laughs> yeah, it is acclaimed. Now it's officially acclaimed. Last week we were like, oh, now it's acclaimed. It is riding that acclaimed yeah, wave now. It, it's, it's, uh, I'm like kind of aren't you a little like upset that you hadn't watched this earlier? Yeah, like I feel bad, but like I was in it for a while. I just fell off of it. 
Yeah, that's true. Because I, I remember... Like, 10-year-old Christian was really into it. Yeah, I loved the movie. I We saw we talked about it. I loved the movie. 22-year-old uh, me loved the movie. Oh, I was talking when I was, like, 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm talking about me now, baby. Um, but, yeah, season one I remembered watching, and then season two I remembered the beginnings of. But, like, now we're in the weeds. Yeah, we're really in it, yeah. Uh, I think this is probably around when I stopped watching the show, actually. So you've really just picked up where you left off? Kind of. And I love this arc. The first one. The first one. <laughs> Let's be clear. Uh, the first arc is dealing with the Mandalorians. The world of Mandalore. And I think I think the title for the first episode kind of summarizes this arc pretty well. The Mandalore plot. Yeah. Uh, season 2, episode 12. Uh, what do you think of this one? What was it? What was your impression of seeing Mandalore? Was it what you expected to look like? I've seen Star Wars Rebels in the past. Okay. So take it for, for with a grain of salt. This wasn't like my first introduction to Mandalore. Um. So, I think in Star Wars Rebels, by that point, Mandalore is a little bit different. Yeah, isn't there like a little? war kind of thing that happens. <laughs> Big war happens. Reference Man- in Mandalorian. Reference in the Mandalorian. Mandalore is like blown up or something. Big, yeah. Big hole in the planet, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that is eventually what leads to Mando and his small crew. Right. But here's here's what I'm getting at with this. The first introduction we get to Mandalore in this episode, they're like flying into like a bubble. Yeah. What's up with that? Honestly, I kind of looked at it at the way Coruscant exists because I, I my intru- my first impression was that it was a high society, uh, a lot cleaner than I expected. Well, the whole thing is that they had fought each other in the past for years and like destroyed their planet, so mm-hmm. they could only live in these like bubbles, right? I guess is that the is that the backstory? Did I just make that up? I don't know. <laughs> Were Someone, they bubbles or were they domes? It looked like you know, dome-shaped buildings. All right, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Dome-shaped buildings. That's what I mean. Okay, well, so, yeah, like, from referencing back to when I started the episode, it looked like kind of like the Senate building to me. Mm-hmm. That's the immediate thing that I compared it to. So seeing Mandalore exist with architecture this grand, I think is what caught me off guard. Because I kind of thought that the Mandalorian people were going to be like nomadic almost. You know, oh, I didn't think that at all. Okay. Well, you had more knowledge of yeah. them before I did. Because, <laughs> like, my only experience with the Mandalorian are Mando, Jango Fett, who doesn't even count, it's not Mandalorian. Boba Fett, who also doesn't count and sucks. <laughs> and so we'll I, get was, to that. I was, yeah, <laughs> we will. I was just surprised to see Mandalorian people walking around without the helmets on. Yeah, I mean, they just look like regular people. Well, I know they're regular people. <laughs> I've seen Unmasked Mandalorians before. Yeah, yeah. But I was surprised that, like, not everybody had a helmet on. Well, I think they they must have taken up different sects of Mandalorians after the Purge. So is it like the Warriors maybe follow that? Maybe it's just something that different sects of Mandalorians after the Purge. Mm-hmm. Like like some some of them like kind of take their religion to the extreme, and that's what we see in the Mandalorian. Yeah, so we because we do see the um, dumb name, dumb name. What's the name? I have no idea. Dumb dumb name of that group. 
Death Squad oh, or something. The Death, Death March, Death Strike, Death something Watch. like that. Death Watch. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Death Watch. Uh, they're all warrior Mandalorian, and they're all wearing their helmets. Right. So maybe it is a warrior thing. Not true, though, because we see Governor Sarvizla take off his helmet, and he's... Right, so I'm saying it's not people swearing they wouldn't take him off. I'm just saying, like... Oh, they, they just do it. They're the ones you'd most often find wearing that helmet. Right. You know? Okay. Like, Satine isn't going to be walking around with a Mandalorian mask on. I expected the person in charge would be. Right. But... Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. So it was cool seeing their culture fleshed out. Yeah, I think, I think you know, that in, in the Star Wars lore, they've been around for a really long time. Yeah. And so it would make sense that they have that kind of backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love this arc. I like this arc too. Honestly, it's hard for me to like differentiate exactly like which which episode is which. Yeah, and I think that's fine because the rate we were going the past few episodes have just been watching the arcs, not the individual episodes. Yeah, I kind of just like watched it all at once and forgot which what happens in which episode. Yeah, because if I know that we were watching two arcs in a week, I will dedicate a night to each arc. Yeah, and you don't want to split it up. No, because I think that binging it, I think in this way, works great. And I think that's why, at least I've been so positive on it, is because seeing the three chapters of just like a three-arc short film... Or, like, a full episode of, like, a premium TV show makes the storytelling work even better for me. Yeah. Um, what did you... Did you like about... Uh, did you like all the politics in this arc? I did. Me too. Okay. I think it's one of... It's a very good example of making Star Wars politics interesting. For sure, yeah. And I, I loved it, too, because it was, again, through the perspective of like the jedi lens and i think that's when politics can be the most accessible in star wars because you see obi-wan who is following the code of the jedi we all know what the code is you know of like you're a priest essentially (laughs) um he's still like abstinent and like well technically not you just can't have attachments that's confirmed is that true that is 100 percent true as far as i know all right well, because Obi Wan knew you, you're telling me, <laughs> <laughs> Obi Wan, the master of Anakin, who knows this kid, did not know he was sleeping with Padme. Oh no, he knew. Yeah, so he's like, he's like monitoring, like he's like, hey, do your thing, man. But like, second you like be like, want cuddle? No, that's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> you can't get emotional here. That's fo- that's so funny. I can just imagine Obi Wan being like. You can hang out with her, but you can't cuddle afterwards. <laughs> like, that's the whole thing. It's like they can have attachments, you know? It's just... Well, they can't. Well, okay. Well, they can have relations. They just can't have attachments and, like, physical... Well, they can have physical attachments, but they can't be like, oh, if I lose her or if I lose him or if I lose R2 in this thing, I'm just going to have a breakdown. That's where they get iffy. Yeah. And I think um, this is a good segue into uh, Obi-Wan. My favorite Star Wars character. Your he just shines through in this arc. He does shine through in this arc. And I think it also expands on his character in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. Speaking of attachment and uh, uh, love. Yeah. Interest. Mm-hmm. Satine. Definitely. Thoughts. 
Uh, I liked it. It felt natural for the character, even though I could definitely see where people would come in and be like, the Obi-Wan we know, the Obi-Wan in A New Hope would never stray this far away from the Jedi Code. But I think the way it's presented and the fact that it was remnants of his life as a Padawan where he could have dipped out if he wanted to. I think that's an interesting way to like introduce that. And I think that also adds an interesting layer to his relationship with Anakin, which I really like. Are you a fan of this relationship? Oh yeah. Okay. Totally. I I thought you were going somewhere. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. I, I just, I like it. It worked in my head, felt natural. Again, he's my favorite Star Wars character. So like, if it was out of character, I'd probably be upset about it, but I thought it worked well. I thought it worked almost, like, seamlessly. Yeah. Like, it's very cool to see Obi-Wan. Like, like Obi-Wan as a character is very much fleshed out in, in the prequels and also in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But this just, like, adds so much depth to him. For sure. Because um, he never really had any, like, points of contention. That's what I'm saying. Like, not saying that he wasn't before but it humanizes him yeah because even with the original trilogy and like how he like dictates what luke is supposed to do he's still pretty much like black and white yeah and this is like adding some interesting color in here yeah well i mean it shows that he like low-key struggled with i think he still does like i think there's moments in this arc where it shows him like reminiscing on that and feeling an attachment you know it's not just like him being like oh yeah those are the days eh?" it's like oh no i'm genuinely still concerned with your well-being and if only (laughs) i mean it all it also kind of like plays into the whole like we know where the jedi end up yeah it's no secret Mm -hmm. um and a lot of it had to do with their hubris right they couldn't see past their own teachings Mm -hmm. to the true enemy and like it's it's interesting because in this arc, Obi-Wan starts to sort of struggle with that, but, like, he never, like, thinks about it. He never, like, steps back and takes, like, a bigger picture thought about it, which mm-hmm. kind of makes, which kind of, like, adds to the whole, like, he didn't see the Sith coming. Yeah. That's just, like, a small part of this overall larger hubris of the Jedi Order. Yeah, and I think Satine saw that. Like, she kind of called them out a few times on things like that, of, like, not being able to see the full picture, being hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil, almost. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, he, he's, like, like these struggles are, like, manifesting itself in, in like, this, in this really, like, visceral way for Obi-Wan, but he doesn't take that step back and being, like, why am I feeling these ways? Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a problem? Like, is this clouding, like, our overall judgment? Our, our just, like, blind recognition, like, blind allegiance to these just, like, dogmatic views. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ever take that step back, which no. is interesting. It is interesting. I don't know if he does in the future, but... Yeah, like, I'm sure d- d- we're going to revisit Satine at yeah. some point since they set her up and spend so much time on her and his relationship. But I really enjoyed, again, all of that stuff a ton. Also, before we move on from, like, the middle arc, the middle of this arc, did you recognize who that general was, the Mandalorian of Death Watch? Wait, no. The voice actor. No. Get this. 
John Favreau. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh wait, it's the governor, right? Yeah. Sarfisla. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't recognize that in the moment. Yeah, because when he got introduced and he said it, like his first few lines, I was like, "That's not John Favreau, right?" And then <laughs> I was like listening to it more, and I was like, "I think that's John Favreau." And then I clicked on the box because they always hide the credits at like two seconds after they start. It's John Favreau. You know, it. Uh, that's. I was watching it, and I was like, it "Sounds like the heavy gunner from from yeah. Mandalorian yeah. episode three, mm-hmm. but not actually." Um, before we move on from from the middle of this arc, mm-hmm. I believe this happens in the second episode. I, w- I was about to dive into second episode stuff. Okay. Um, Never mind. And I, I think I might know what you're going to get at because I do have something written down that I loved. I, I, I'm not, I can't even see what you've okay. written down, but yeah. So the second episode is the Voyage of Temptation that deals more with the actual transporting of Satine to the Senate to be like, hey... We don't want no part of your war. Mm-hmm. It's interesting what we just talked about with Obi-Wan and Satine, then bringing Anakin into the mix, because just like seeing that dynamic between them and seeing like Obi-Wan specifically in the elevator and like seeing him just feel like judged by Anakin for all of this after like falling strictly with it, always condemning Anakin for like straying from the Jedi path. And then Anakin, like, realizing the hypocrisy of it, I liked that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think it, man, it just, like, really just, like, laying the seeds yeah. for, like, what comes next. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Um, the entire cruise ship part, or not cruise ship, but, like, the, the entire arc on the ship. How do you feel about that? I think this is the weakest episode okay. out of the three. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, it didn't feel like much happened. Like... Yeah, they mostly spent mo- they spent most of their time just fighting all these bad guys on the ship, right? Mm-hmm. The the biggest thing for me with this episode and the reason I I actually labeled this one great and the other two are good. I oh, think okay. so. You think opposite? I think it's because of the way it fleshes out Anakin and Obi Wan, because it does it subtly, but just like seeing how they play in this scenario together. And, like, just see Anakin slowly realizing things about his master. Um, also, Obi-Wan talking about his backstory as a Padawan with Qui-Gon. Liked that moment. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed seeing them work together. It made me feel more of, like, the, oh, you're my brother, more than just what we've seen so far of, like, oh, they're buddies, you know? This one felt more of, like, a, hey, I trust you with this. Yeah. Yeah. Be cool. I have to say, I, I honestly wasn't as impressed with this episode, but mm-hmm. I do see where you're coming from. It was interesting to watch that dichotomy on that ship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as what they were doing, it was fine. It's kind of boring. Yeah. It was like the classic, like, one of your most trusted confidants is actually out to betray you. It's like, oh. It's like, this is, I've seen this a thousand times. There's one thing in this episode, though, that I think was my favorite moment of this entire arc. I don't know if this is the same thing. Okay. So, the big climax of the episode, right? Satine gets kidnapped. She's being held hostage by the person who betrayed her. Obi-Wan is hunting her down. Okay. Joker style. This guy's like, oh, which one is going to break your rule? <laughs> Are you going to... Obi-Wan, or is he going to like be the, the killer Satine thinks he is, or is Satine going to be a hypocrite? Which one of you is going to be the first one to be a stone-cold killer? 
lightsaber through the chest, Anakin shows up, Imperial March plays. Loved it because they don't lean into that too much, no. but it worked. I didn't notice that the Imperial March played. Yeah, it was like the slow, it was like, dun, dun, dun. it was like really drawn out, but it was there. Okay. I thought she was going to do it. I did too. <laughs> but there was a moment, like, once he said, like, killer or something, I was like, oh, Anakin's going to show up. And then the lightsaber happened. I was it's like, ah. Straight through the chest. Loved that moment. So that's not actually the moment that I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. But it happens in the same scene. Okay. Um, it has to do with Satine and Obi-Wan. And Satine is taken hostage by this guy. And Obi-Wan finally, like, catches up to them. On the bridge? The, yeah, in, like, the hallway or whatever. Um, and she says that she loves him. Oh yeah, she says she says I love you, right? And then he says he doesn't say it back. Yeah, which is classic. Yeah, but instead he says like, had you said the word, I would have left the order. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's serious. That's some serious stuff right there. I think that happened seconds before Anakin merged with this man. Right, but I think that. <laughs> I guess I was just still reeling from that moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I didn't notice the Imperial March. <laughs> it's funny that <laughs> within 40 seconds, we had both had significantly different takeaways from that encounter. I just really liked that. I did too, yeah. It was cool. And I liked seeing sort of the culmination of everything that we talked about with Obi-Wan as a teen so far. Mm-hmm. So I did like that moment a lot. Uh, yeah, it was very good. And uh, I, I'm cu- I'm curious how much we dive into Qui Gon in the future. I know there's a, at least one episode that Qui Gon plays a big role of Clone Wars. Okay, I wonder if it's on our watch list. Maybe I hope it is, Jack. But <laughs> it's it's n- interesting. I bring that up because like you see sort of the influence of Qui Gon on Obi Wan in that moment because Qui Gon, similar to Anakin, was kind of like, I'm gonna do my own thing. <laughs> I'll be cool, but, like, I'm doing it my way. Yeah, yeah. So. I like that. It reminds me of that that book that came out, Master and Apprentice. Was that is that new canon? That's new canon, yeah. I might read that. I heard it's good. I think Claudia Gray wrote it. Okay, I'll definitely I read think. that then. Yeah, I don't know. I'll check. But anyway, yeah, that, that, that has to do with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, while Obi-Wan was a Padawan still, which is, like, super cool, I think. It is Claudia Gray. Nice. Six bucks on Amazon. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, no. <laughs> yeah, six bucks on Amazon. Master and Apprentice, Claudia Gray. Dude, I'm buying that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, free on Audible. I don't. I don't. I don't do audio. audiobooks, but. <laughs> well, if you want, uh, <laughs> we're actually sponsored by audio, Audible. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, but the the conclusion of this arc, did you? So you liked the the final episode more than the second one? I liked the final episode more than the second one. This one definitely gets more in the weeds of the politics, like you were saying. Yeah, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I like seeing Palpatine's frustration, because I like when it doesn't go his way. Yeah. Because it's cool seeing how he handles it. And I really liked the moment at the end when they're all in his office, and he's like, oh, my sincerest apologies from the Republic, when in his head he's probably like cussing her out. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, my God. Well, she's, she like appears from nowhere, too. She kind of like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. One thing we didn't talk about, I don't mean to go back so far, we didn't talk about the Darksaber at all. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, but it, it appeared. So is that the same one that yeah. Gideon has? Yeah. Oh, so there's only one. There's only one. Oh. Interesting. And, like, from what I understand, back 
back way back in the in the past in this lore, the the Mandalorian who had the dark saber, basically like was the leader of the Mandalorian. That's cool, because that yeah the uh, John Favreau's character did say like oh my ancestors had it yeah when they fought the war against the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's cool though. I'm into it. I also like the noises that it makes when it clashes against the lightsaber. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a neat little thing in the lore. Yeah. I hope to see more of it soon, and I'm sure we will in season uh, two. We saw, yeah, we saw it in uh, Mandalorian. I was just going to say something super off track, but okay. like... Yeah, uh, we're, this, we're just bouncing back and forth now. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think we're going to have a great discussion about the next arc. I don't think so either. So I do want to ask you this question I just thought of. Yeah. Do you think, getting wild here, do you think Mando is going to wield a lightsaber? At some point to fight Gideon. No. Or is he just going to blast him? He's just going to blast him. Okay. He's going to find a way. I, f- I feel like he might find a way to like disarm him and then take the Darksaber on his own. Oh, season three, he's walking around with a Darksaber? Yeah, something like that. I don't think he's going to like find a lightsaber. Find a lightsaber off a dead body and just be like, uh. Also, I feel like that'd be really hard <laughs> at that point in time. Sure. Um, So, yeah, the, the final episode of that arc... I think it, I thought it wrapped things up nicely. It left off on an interesting point with Obi Wan and Satine sort of disagreeing, but like coming together still as friends, you know. Yeah, it just like also has a tinge of sadness in it. Yeah, but um, I just like I really enjoy the whole. I I just thought the politics in this arc was were like super complex for a kids show. Yeah, um, the whole you know if the Republic comes then. People are going to rise up. The people are going to rise up against us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was very cool for them to explore that. Yeah. And then also for them to explore the Republic is this body that thinks that they're just like doing good in the universe. Yeah. And that they're, I think Palpatine says like, we're, we're trying to save you. Mm-hmm. We're trying to save your people. Yeah. But like, it's all from a certain point of view. For sure. And it was, it was, I really liked Satine's role in all of this because it made that more evident than ever i think yeah because she's so staunchly against it yeah so you see like because like what she's saying makes sense definitely like when she was talking i was like yeah i'm with you for sure so like seeing obi-wan be like no though (laughs) i was like obi-wan what's i'm saying yeah that's that goes back to my no yeah i thought it like yeah i thought it like portrayed all of that really well yeah i really i really really enjoyed this arc me too next one not so much me either (laughs) the second the exact second I put up that first uh, death trap 220, um, the second I saw that thumbnail, with, I knew who it was. I knew it was Boba Fett <laughs> as a kid. I was like, oh, God, what is this art going to be? Dad, Tom Wee's here. <laughs> so the first episode, um, my review is eh, E-H. <laughs> I honestly... Forget what happens. So it was it was Boba Fett as a kid sneaking on with the other kid cadets because apparently those exist. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, he tries to blow up Mace Windu and like. Yeah, and I, from that perspective, I'll give them that. That's an interesting thing to explore, of Boba Fett getting his feet wet in the bounty hunting business and being like, "I want revenge on the guy that killed my dad." That's interesting, but this arc doesn't do anything cool with it. I don't think. No, it doesn't. It introduces Aura Singh. Though. Yeah, so when they said the name finally, I was like, oh, that calling back to like episode three of this show. Yeah. 
When uh, you were like, oh, keep an eye out for R. Singh. She comes up a couple times. I was like, okay. Yeah, she, there she is, R. Singh. Yeah. And I was like, like, when I saw her, I was like, oh, I know who that is. But I, I never made the connection. She's like in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Briefly. Mm-hmm. Like, I was always familiar with that character design. Yeah. Like, I could recognize her in a crowd. Right. But, like, I didn't know she had a name. I mean, I think she's in, like, the visual dictionaries and That's stuff. probably why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's the death track. Do you know the reasoning behind having kid clones to train? Well, I don't... I think, like, that's just how... That's just how the clones evolve, you know? It's not, though. Is it not? No, they're taken out of those tubes when they're, like, Jenga Fett clones. Is that true? I, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Because... Either in Attack of the Clones or in, like, Clone Cadets or something, or Rookies, I'm pretty sure they're talking about, like, it's the 10-year cycle of growing the clones, accelerated, and they come out as... Men. Yeah, they they look like Jango Fett did. Okay. And then, because Jango specifically said, give me one that's, like, a kid, so I can raise him as my kid. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that Boba Fett was, like like the prime clone you know and every other sure. clone was kind of like i mean clearly not because some of these clones did way more than he's ever done very that's a huge burn on boba fett's part you really turned me around on boba fett of not liking him well i don't like boba fett i think he's dumb he doesn't do anything yeah like i always thought he was fine i have a shirt with boba fett on it but the second you said he's dumb I was, like i can't unsee that i'm like yeah he doesn't do anything he literally doesn't do anything yeah. and like this episode really this arc he just like tries to do stuff and doesn't really work yeah and i mean i'll give him the fact that it's like it's a kid learning how to be a bounty hunter so like i don't think he's gonna do well but at this point i don't think i'm interested in seeing boba fett be a character anymore i don't think we're gonna see him that much yeah like there's that new bounty hunters comic coming up that i'm definitely gonna read uh but i don't really have an interest in boba fett as like fleshing him out anymore as an adult I, always, I just don't think that he is a character that really should be fleshed out. Yeah. Like, he is, after all, like, literally a clone. Yeah. Of Jango Fett. Mm-hmm. In some way, like, that kind of... That kind of, like, lack of personality, I guess. Like, l- lack of individuality. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, to be honest. Well, I can like, see, like, where you're coming from of, like in relation to why people do like Boba Fett, because originally he wasn't that. He was just what we see Mando as now, of like... Just a cool guy. Cool guy with a gun. He's got a cool mask, you know? So the people that grew up knowing him as that forever. Right. Sure. But now... (laughs) I would say Jango Fett's cooler than Boba Fett. He's at least done more. (laughs) Yeah, Jango Fett has done way more. I love how... I (laughs) I love how Mace Windu, essentially, in this episode, was like, yeah, I don't know. He watched me, like, Kill his dad. He he watched me cut off his dad's head. Don't know why he's having such a problem about it. Yeah, I don't know why he can't just get over it. (laughs) Yeah, Mace is great. I really like Mace in this episode because you get more of like sort of what's hinted at in his little time on screen in the films, but like just seeing how he is like very unique on the council of like, yeah, he follows the. He sits on the council, but he is kind of like following his own thing yeah 100% yeah so that was neat and it was cool seeing him with Anakin too because they we know they have that tension in the movies so 
those were for sure my highlights, though. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I, I wasn't as fan as as much of a fan of the second arc as I was. Yeah, I wasn't either. I thought uh, the episode R two come home, which was the middle episode in this arc, was the better one of the three, because you saw more of the Anakin and Mace back and forth, and it was also turned into like some like kids movie Disney adventure of like oh the the dog has to go save the owner because it was R two traveling to Ahsoka and Plo Koon and being like. They're stuck. Help them. <laughs> oh, wait. I think I... All right. So, Christian and I were talking before we filmed this. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell asleep watching the second... The, the third, third episode, episode. Because I remember this episode. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was just silly. Yeah. So, I, that was a little, like, refreshing after the entire Mandalore arc of just seeing, like, some silly-looking thing. Um, But, yeah. This is definitely one of the weaker ones so far, I think. Uh Oh, sorry. Another big takeaway. Got to see Bosk. <laughs> like thank, a second. Thank God. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> More Bosk, please. Uh he's like a random playable character in, in Battlefront, yeah. Too. For some reason. So is um Oh, I don't know his name. Um It's some other bounty hunter. There's like two of them in there. There's Den- Bosk and uh, then the other Dengar. Dengar, yeah. I think Dengar's in there yeah. for some reason. Uh, but that wraps this week's Clone Wars watch along. Yeah, what do we got next week? Next week, we have another six episode. Yeah, there's two arcs to cover. Well, there's like three standalone episodes, and then there's an arc. So we got season three, episode two, Arc Troopers. Shout to Cara Dune. Uh, season one, episode twenty-two, Hostage Crisis. Season three, episode ten, Heroes on Both Sides. Oh God. <laughs> season three, episode twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. Night Sisters, Monster, and Witches of the Mist. This is a Dothamir act. Yeah. Art. I'm excited. Yeah. Because we're going to get into it. Dothamir. Especially after Fallen Order. Love it. It's going to be cool. So, yeah, that wraps this week for Star Wars. Uh, like we said before the show, before the halftime break. <laughs> I wish I had a whistle. <laughs> halftime. Um, season 7 of Clone Wars starts after this episode comes out so if you're watching along with that uh i don't think we're covering it as they come out i yeah no but we will eventually once we reach that point i think we're getting there we are yeah we're, I, we're making it we're in season three now i honestly i'd rather just wait i'm fine waiting too just wait until we get there yeah i'm it's gonna be hard to dodge spoilers i don't know how hard i'll try but like i'm not gonna try that hard to be honest with you yeah I mean, I'm not going to actively seek it out, mm-hmm. but, like, if it comes up, yeah. I'm not going to be that mad about it. Yeah, because I've been reading some things. Yeah. <laughs> Very vague things. And? Uh, we might see some of the events of episode three retold in this season from a slightly different perspective. Well, I thought that was almost already confirmed. Yeah, but, like, a specific order, maybe close to 69. <laughs> oh, it's- Oh, 68? Yeah. <laughs> order 68? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what the other orders were. Yeah. Well, we know what the first order was. True. And the final order. That's very true. Order 65, that's... Um, when that's... did it stop? What is What number is the final order? 70. What is 65, though? Uh, order 65, that's, um, that's Sheev's favorite... Um, 
That's Sheeb's favorite burger at at McDonald's. There you go. That's what he asks the Praetorian guards when he's hungry. He says, get me an order 65. So what's order number nine then? Because that's the Big Mac, right? Mambo number nine. <laughs> Mambo number nine. Number nine. <laughs> All right. Mike, where can the people find you if they want to find your hijinks? Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can or not. At Mike P. Connors. Very nice. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Chris N. Buckley. That's the same as my Instagram. If you're listening to the show, you're listening to it on a podcast service like Apple Podcasts, where you can give us a rate, a review. Helps us find new listeners, other Star Wars fans. Spotify still doesn't let us do that, but we're on Spotify. Um, so we're really on everything. Yeah. <laughs> we're on YouTube. Yes. We're in your home. Yeah. And your Alexas. If you're listening to this with headphones on, we're in your ears. Yeah. We've infiltrated. We have. Total saturation. Total saturation. But that's going to do it for this week. I think I plugged everything. And until next time, we're fine. Everything's fine. How are you? May the force be with you. General Kenobi. (laughs) 